I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, a senior B2B marketer with 20 years experience across the UK, United States and Asia Pacific. Last year, I was fortunate to spend three months with Deloitte in Chicago. During that time, I had the opportunity to meet with a number of global experts. Throughout that period, I interviewed a range of thought leaders and shared their thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways weekly. Now that I'm back in Melbourne, the Katie Talks conversation with influencers continues. And today is going to be fantastic. I'm speaking with John Burgess, who's one of the most respected and innovative influencers in people networks and is equally renowned for the development of the three minds approach. Quan is the international management consultancy that John established, which helps organisations and executives create advocacy, which is to say really deep relationships and remaining top of mind in the relationships that matter most to them. John has presented at Harvard Business School and works with elite Australian leaders. John is somebody who likes to raise the importance of connectedness through sharing what he has observed and lessons learned. In preparing for this podcast, I've also interviewed a number of leaders at Deloitte Australia, including the Deloitte Australia Chair, Tom and Beasy, and a couple of other partners. We'll hear some takeaways from them throughout as to how John has played a pivotal role in helping them really up their game. John, welcome. I'd love to hear a bit more about your background and what led you to establishing Quam. Uh, thank you, Katie, for this wonderful opportunity. Uh, Quam was established in 2000 during a performance review when a board member asked me two questions about my relationships, which I struggled to answer. And the questions started with, I'm going to call it because I care. Okay. And I've never had anyone in my life in business frame up a conversation, I call it because I care. Mm -hmm. And I suppose what they were trying to open my mind up to is that the next questions that would follow would either disrupt me yes. or refresh me. Okay. But it'll be, at the end of it, I'll be a better me. Sure. And the question was, have you got the right people around you to do what you need to do? And I responded, initially, I thought it was ignorant, but it was arrogant. I said, of course I do. Look at my numbers. Because mm -hmm. that's what I was led to believe. Sure. Because people were judged on numbers. Yep. Then the next question that followed was, how many of those people that you think you know are sitting in coffee shops right now thinking about you, know how to think about you. And at that moment, I'd realize I'd missed something. Okay. My, my, my numbers or the figures were saying one thing, but these questions were saying another thing. Yeah. And the last question is how many people have picked up the phone, referenced something that you shared together, and connected you to someone that you didn't know that helped you with what you needed to know? What good questions. And that, for me, for the first time in my life, I felt exposed. I didn't have peace of mind. Mm -hmm. So, Quam was built over many conversations later, over four continents. And it ended up at Harvard, where it was considered that I'd uncovered a worldwide blind spot. In order for people to perform at Harvard, we can tell you why these communities or these connections or networks are mm -hmm. important, but we can't evaluate or teach you. So it's taken me 18 years and 15,000 people later over four continents to realize we have a framework for everything except for people. And now we have the framework for people. So what I'm most proud of is all I'm sharing is what I've learned from all the people that gave me time. I was just very curious in that time <laughs> and, un and, and built something that mattered mm -hmm. and over time made sense. Mm -hmm. And my dream was always to scale this because I cared. And that was the original. And the reason I say I'm scaling it because I care, because 
over the journey, I spend far too much time in coffee shops with people in transition who have lost their way, not because they don't care, not because they're not smart or capable, is they were led to believe they're more connected than they truly were. This is incredibly interesting. What, John, what is connectedness? Connectedness is if you look back in history, anyone that's achieved significance over a long period of time, mm -hmm. there's been really three attributes. There's character, there's capability, and there's connectedness. Okay. Now, in my experience and what I've learned over the years is the people that performed over a long period of time saw connectedness as a way of life. The ones that lost their way over time were led to believe they had the connectedness. So what was coming every year more and more visual to me is that there were people losing their way, not because they didn't care, not because they weren't capable, mm -hmm. is they didn't have the connectedness required to execute on that role. And when I went back and spoke to those people, they'd always been told of its importance, but never taught. So I haven't to date come across any organisation or any business school or any, or any association that has a framework to evaluate connectedness, mm -hmm. to enable connectedness and to embed connectedness. So we've talked about why it is so important. What, how do you define connectedness? Connectedness is, is in the simple thing, is how many people are sitting around the world thinking about you right now. Okay. And they know how to think about you and you know how to think about them. So basically what I'm saying is, do you know actually what's important to them? Mm, okay. That to me is connectedness. It's not only ability to connect, is to stay connected, is your ability through generosity, curiosity, and to be conscious. And if anyone that I've met along my way that's achieved significance in their life, it's always come back to, I couldn't have done it without good people around me. I think that's so true. Can you, we, we have some fantastic examples from some of the, um, the senior leaders that I interviewed in preparing for today, but does an example, I'm sure you have, must have hundreds of them, does an example spring to mind that, that you could share just to further illustrate the point? Well, how it was framed to me when someone asked me the question, how many people are thinking about you? Mm -hmm. the, I did ask the question, why is that important? Okay. Because then it was, the answer came when well, you won't see everything you need to see and you won't learn everything you need to learn. So having people around you that understand what's important to you and you know what's important to them mm -hmm. provides that layer of insight, knowledge and connectedness that will not appear unless you have those relationships. Sure. So to me, what they were saying to me is, you don't know what you don't know and you won't always see what you need to know. Okay. So having people around you that know what you need to know is a richness. So if I look back on any person that I've learned from, it's never been, I've had a great resilience only. I had a level of capability or innovation only. Mm -hmm. But under consistently, I couldn't have done it without good people around me, thinking about me and advocating for me. Tom Mbizi, Chair of Deloitte Australia, is one of John's mentees, and he also agrees that connectedness is a tangible component in career success. Uh, look, it's, it's, it's in the chair role at Deloitte, I think the connectedness comes a lot easier because of the title. Um, I, I would say it was, it's more important to me in my external audit capacity okay. as a partner of the firm, as an auditor of the firm. Um, in terms of, you know, having clients that you serve, um, I see every new client as an opportunity to forge a new relationship. Um, so the more clients I can um, serve and support, the more, the greater that my network can be. Um, and, and that's my goal. When I, when I do go out to a new client, 
and serve them, my opportunity is to um, build trust with someone in that organisation. Okay. Uh, and I'm disappointed if I can't. So, and they helped me, you know, when we won the external audit of Incitec Pivot, um, it was a big call for Incitec to appoint Deloitte um, because they were an ASX 50 and we don't have a lot of ASX 50 external audits. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was an issue for them. And, and in the pitch, we, you know, articulated why they are of a size that we could serve and why we would serve them well. Um, however, after that, the CFO called me and said, you, you guys have presented exceptionally well, but there is still a question mark. Tom, you know, we're going to go out to the marketplace and we're going to ask people what they think of you. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was okay. quite transparent about that. And that, that's where, you know, fortunately, um, <laughs> those that they connected knew me and yes. were able to reference me. And that took one element of doubt out of their decision making, which, you know, along with all the other things we did as a team, enabled them to appoint us. Today, there is no organisation in the world that can determine someone's connectedness, but we can determine someone's character through psychometric testing, we can determine someone's capability through intuitiveness, mm -hmm. but underpinning anyone that's achieved significance is connectedness. But today there is no organisation, so that's where my journey started and mm -hmm. it continues. I just want, so I built an algorithm, my organisation built an algorithm to provide a base level of understanding to an individual organisation so give you a clearer lens on whether someone had the connectedness to execute on that role. Because most people who lost their way wasn't because they didn't care and it wasn't because they weren't capable. Yes. Is they didn't have the connectedness required or the capability to build the connectedness. That was a single thing or the consciousness of its importance. So connectedness, in order to, for you to perform your job on a daily basis, is you're going to have to reach out for help. Sure. Now, when you reach out for help for the same people asking for the same stuff and not responding in kind, mm -hmm. it starts fracturing a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, all I wanted to do was to, to build a, an authentic framework to raise an individual's consciousness and see curiosity as a competency, not a soft skill to build the connectedness. Curiosity's always seemed to be something you'll learn along the way. Well, 40 years ago, you had 10-year business plans. It, you did. <laughs> now we've got a one-year business plan with a three-month check-in. Mm -hmm. So I think it's either gonna come down to the individual or the organization to first be aware of its importance because the inevitable will happen. One day, you and me will want to wake up and mm. be someone yes. and do something, and, and we won't be able to do that, not because we don't care or we're not capable. Mm. It's we don't know who to reach out to, and we haven't been reaching out to people along the journey because we've been told how but never taught how. So I built the frame, first framework to raise someone's consciousness using curiosity as a, as a competency to build the connectedness required. That's, it seems, so it seems pretty, it's pretty ironic that it's taken me nearly 18 years of my life to build a framework to get people to care and to think about each other. It's so interesting. I, I jotted down curiosity as a competency, not a soft skill, because I just, I think that's, that's a little bit of a profound statement. I mean, it, in, in some ways it's so simple and yet, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we're at university or at most professional development courses, they focus on the technical skills, not not um, not having that curiosity. And one of the things that I think I've come to appreciate over the last four or five years that is that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. You know, I had this, yep. I mean, probably tied up in a bit of imposter syndrome, this, this feeling that I needed to, that I should be able to know everything about my role and, you know, I shouldn't need to ask for help and that, that would reflect poorly upon me if I did. Um, and I saw a, a, a meme on LinkedIn recently that said, you know, asking, asking for help or guidance is my superpower. And 
I can think of almost no example where I've asked someone for help and they've not been really happy yeah. to sit down <coughs> and, you know, help help me upskill or get my head around something that I need to know that, that I haven't understood. Yeah, I think where LinkedIn's intention was to build a collaborative, an online collaborative community, mm. I think my only um, thought on that is, is there's no rules of engagement sure. online. Mm -hmm. So traditionally, if you lead ruthlessly offline, you'll lead ruthlessly online. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um, what would have been great if LinkedIn have, have added to it and had a, a tutorial and one of the, the leading themes could be giving without remembering and receiving without forgetting. And mm. that could have just raised someone's consciousness in the moment yeah. and got them thinking about LinkedIn, which could have been a lot more of a positive experience. And so my question is, have you earned the right to ask yeah, for okay. someone's help? Tom gives us some reflections on cultivating relationships. Tom, when we spoke last, one of the things that I that you mentioned that has been playing around in my mind since then is the fact that there's a bit of a misconception that building networks means being out for dinners or boozing and doing lots of out of hours networking or activities and you, you had some really interesting thoughts around that I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about that please yeah I think that um, th there's two things that I think people um, get concerned about when they refer to networking one is that it's a lot of cold calling and it's going to a lot of industry events and you know introducing yourself to people that you don't know when trying to hand across a business card mm -hmm. um, it's far from that uh, and the other is that somehow it involves selling. Yes. And people really get anxious about that because they don't see themselves as salespeople. Um, so so my, my point around those two things is, you know, a professional network is exactly that, a professional network. It's not a personal or social network. Um, and most of the people that I have in my professional network, you know, I've never been to their homes. They've never been to mine. Um, there might be occasions where, you know, we'll meet up as a uh, husband and wife or um, a broader group, mm -hmm. uh, but it's very much along professional lines. Uh, and so most of my networking is either breakfast or a lunch, or it might be a beer after work, but it's, it's very rarely on weekends uh, and it's very rarely evenings. Um, and I think most, most of my network prefer it that way as well. Yes. And I, I mean, I feel incredibly inspired if that's the right, it's not quite the right word, but it's close enough hearing, hearing you talk about that because, you know, as somebody who has two young kids, I, I sure I do, I do some out of hours work, but I also want to be home with my family. So hearing somebody who's in a senior a position as you talk about the fact that it doesn't mean loads and loads of out of hours late evenings is incredibly um gratifying to hear yeah I, I i think those days have gone i don't think um professionals we all share the same desire to go home and spend the right balance of family and work so i, I don't think there's any concern with that um i think that um what i would say to you is that you know if i give you an example um one of my mm. close professional networks is um, a guy called Frank Fiume. Frank um, and I connected, you know, when I was, even before I was a partner and Frank has, um, you know, through his career has been CFO for a number of corporates. Now, um, the last cap, you know, we've secured five audits, external audits with Frank in his various roles. Um, but I've never been to Frank's house and he's never been to mine. And frankly, I only connect with him face to face probably a couple of times a year. Um, but, you know, whenever there is work that he needs, he will call me and he will use Deloitte because he, he sees me as someone that he can trust, um, that we've built a relationship over and that I've delivered for him over a long period of time. So he will start with Deloitte because of that. Um, 
but it, it is not a personal relationship. Although I'm, you know, very fond mm. of the guy and um, you know enjoy his company, we we don't catch up after hours or on weekends. Well, and that's you know what what a what a strong relationship that you can you can pinpoint five audits. Yeah, I think the other point I'd say is um, that with Frank, the, the times that I've been most value to him is when he hasn't been a client of the firm. Um, and there are times where he's been in between jobs and looking for roles that, you know, I'll, I'll stay closer to him during those periods. I genuinely want to help him. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I do things like um, suggest um, businesses that might align with his skill set. I review his CV. Um, I'll talk to him about how he might be um, looking to undertake an interview for a job and work and help him in those areas. So I, I connect with him mm -hmm. more during periods where he's not a client than when he is a client. And I think he values that. Uh, and that's that's what I mean by mutually beneficial relationship. He sees me supporting him and you know, in turn, you know, where there are opportunities to do so, he'll seek to support me. Oh, that I think you've very neatly defined uh, connectedness with perfectly with that example, Tom. And so for me, I was very conscious along my journey that um, I didn't feel that anyone was any smarter than me mm -hmm. or any more connected than me. I just felt you just had a different journey than me and knew different yeah. people than me. Yes. But the world's telling us different. Mm. And how many people can we truly look after? And how many people can we truly think about or advocate for? So I think it comes back to the my original comment is because it's not raised early on in someone's career. Yeah. All they're getting throughout their career is some great stories with sound bites. My question is, why has my topic become one page in a book with seven tips? Why has years and years and years to, to learn how to connect and collaborate to build trust is now being summarized in one page, which mm. is telling the world that all you need to do is here are seven tips to be a great person and to build connectedness, yeah. right? So that was my only concern that, you know, there was a, a book um, called Good to Great. And if you look at the context, the text of it, 98% of the, the content is around data analytics on what makes a company go from good to great. Mm -hmm. And the only reference to have to people is get the right people on the bus in the right seats in the right order. Mm, so the people really is not important at all. Well, it wasn't highlighted. Yeah. So my point for that in is if I was talking to the author, I would say, so you're telling me about a good, good company go from good to great. I know the importance of getting good people around me. How do I do it? Sure. There was no how to. Mm. And that's where the three minds became very critical because people weren't getting there themselves. They, were, they had good people around them that had built this incredible connectedness mm -hmm. and they were telling these great stories but only 1% to 5% of people could grab that story and then take that story and execute that in their lives on how they did it. Sure. 95% will come back a week later and get, I tried that but it didn't work and, you, and you, the response would be, keep on trying. Mm. But I haven't got 40 years to build those networks. I haven't sure. got 10 year business plans. Yeah. So I think the only thing that I felt that I could contribute was not to change who you are and what you are. But I've taken over 15,000 conversations and learnings and tried and built a very, very, very authentic framework on how you can live your life by being generous, curious, and conscious. And I've proven that at every level, from chairman down to grad. The one thing we all respond to is kindness. Mm -hmm. Kindness for me is when I sit in front of someone and I'm curious. Yes, yep. And it's not curious about what I can get entirely, it's 
what can I learn? Mm -hmm. It's just a flip. Not in curious, uh, curious about what I can get, but also what can I learn? But the real beauty about what I've just said is then what did I learn and what could I share? Sure, sure. Let's get into that in a little bit more detail, John. There are many management consultants across the globe. What is it about what you teach that is so leading and so attracted Harvard Business School? I think the world's realised that people weren't getting there themselves. Okay. So getting an inspirational speaker overlay what they do with some great stories. Mm -hmm. People weren't getting there themselves. So we have, we have a framework for everything except for connectedness. Yeah, okay. We, have, we, just have, we, have, we, have a, we can psychometric people, psychometric test people to get yep. their character. We can ask great questions and put them through an evaluation to determine whether they have the capability. But the connectedness is left up to the individual to navigate. And with the pressure of, of organisations place on numbers yes. and scores, people are, are spending more time on tasks than on people. So for me, uh, I hope what I've built is starting to raise someone's consciousness of its in the, the people component, um, that at some stage you're going to have to reach out for help. Sure. And to me, uh, and what I've experienced and learned from some of the, some really wonderful people around the world is, is the ones that seem to have peace of mind have people around them that are top of mind. Because that's what, you know, when you go into a year, yes. knowing that you've got the stamina, you've got the smarts but need to get smarter, mm -hmm. But you've also got this layer of good people that you've selected. You know who they are, you know why they're important, and you both know what's important to each other, and you're prepared to help each other by thinking and advocating for each other. That gives me peace of mind. And also the fact that you've gone through that process of thinking about who those people are. I mean, that there's so much in having thought about that process that that means that it's strategic and that you're thinking about it. 100%. I think it's, it was a very sad moment in 2000 when what my life had become was derailed by someone saying, I'm going to call it because I care. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're as connected as you think you are. I went, based on what? Mm -hmm. How many people are thinking about you right now around the world? and know yeah. how to think about you mm -hmm. and have advocated for you without asking. Sure. I think when someone comes into your life and genuinely cares about your well-being mm -hmm. and sees something that they know is important and they call it because they care, yes. it's a beautiful place mm -hmm. to be. Whether you're ready to learn that at that moment, that will depend on your frame of mind. Yeah. But it's taken me 18 years of my life to understand that in order to achieve success or significance, whatever, however you define your career, is you name one person in this world that has done anything significant without good people around them. And all I'm asking the world is, if you have got good people around you, how often have they thought about mm. you? How often they advocated for you. So yep. it's a thing. I think yeah. I had a global conference. I was asked a question: Is if you had your time again, what would you have done differently? And I was very. This was this was quite defining moment for me because I thought about it for about a minute before I answered. And I said, if I had my time again, I believe I spent far too much time trying to access people that I would never be able to meet to learn from. Okay. Then when I couldn't meet them face to face, then I went online to mm -hmm. try and learn from them. Okay. But I forgot about the person across the table I was having a conversation with. Sure. So I actually, the person that was there, and then he responded by saying, well, I'm mentored by, he said, Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. And I've learned so much from him. I said, fantastic. What have I shared with you today and what has Richard Branson shared with you in your mentoring sessions 
that you haven't learned from someone you cared about? What was the answer? There was nothing. Mm. So whether it was the zero effect, sure. Instagram, yeah. buildings, yeah. money, whatever that may be, yeah. I've learned more from people that no one knows mm -hmm. than from people that everyone knows based on the simple principle. Remain generous, yep. forever curious, mm -hmm. and you'll build the connectedness. Yeah, and Tom, when we spoke previously, you talked a little bit about how you started to work that into, into your regular professional routine. It'd be great if you could talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, and it really it really struck me when I went through my partner assessment process and, and my assessor at the time, way back then, suggested that I shouldn't be made partner because I, I they didn't feel that I would be um, able to grow the business, which really kind of hurt in some ways. I'm I was sure. very fortunate to have other partners that supported me and, and pushed me through to partnership. Um, but I then started to think about how I would manage that network and build my um, brand with, with those around me. And for me, it wasn't first nature. So I sat down and actually worked out a spreadsheet of all the people that I felt um, connected to and wanted to stay connected with. And, and so it was a very formal process. And for some of those I had planned to interact with quarterly, others might've been monthly, others were perhaps six monthly. And that network built from clients that I'd interacted with, that I uh, was still active with, there might have been clients that are individuals that have moved on that I wanted to stay connected to, uh, or it was alumni, people that I'd worked with within Deloitte that had left and gone out into industry, and I wanted to stay close to them. Um, and so it was quite a formal process early on. And okay. you know, you would take people off if you know for whatever reason they um, they went down a different path and they didn't see the benefit in connecting with you, and I wasn't offended by that. Sure. And I would add people onto it. Um, progressively over time. Um, what I found over the years though is that you it became first nature to me and um, I didn't need the formal spreadsheets I just okay. actively it became part of my to-do list every day you know I haven't caught up with X for a while I'll have a coffee I haven't spoken to such and such for a while I'll give them a call. Mm -hmm. Um, it became part of my daily activity and that's where I think it really starts to um, create a lot of value for you. Uh, if, if you were talking to a group of graduates, knowing what you know now about connectedness, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the challenge when you're uh, a grad is that you're so focused on uh, the immediate and the transactional aspect of your work and getting your job done that you don't really value and understand the benefit of a, of a network to you. Um, mm -hmm. my, my advice to them would be to reflect on that and to start as early as you can to, to build that network. Um, and, and a lot of the times people will say to me, well, you know, I'm just too busy and I've got so many things to do that I can't then add, you know, building a network to what I do. And, and my advice to them is to think about how you build the network as part of what you do day to day. Um, and, and the example I give is that we all have meetings with clients. Uh, yes. And my, my advice to them is, you know, instead of going to their office and sitting down for an hour with a formal agenda, you know, suggest to them that they, you know, why don't we catch up over a breakfast um, or over a beer, which, you know, I often do. Uh, and I can ask all the things I need to ask on that formal agenda. But then I've got the chance and the environment to say, and how are you going? Okay. Um, is there anything that I can do to help you in your role? Uh, and it's really those two questions that 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 convert the discussion from a, a very formal style, you know, to-do list task to starting to understand and engage with the person on a very different level. Um, and it's really only those two questions that you need to ask and then act on and uh, build from that uh, enables you to start building that network. So I, I, I dismiss the view that we're too busy to network. Yes. Um, I believe you can do it effectively as part of your day-to-day -day activity, and then it will become second nature to you. And I think you then start to roll from there.
that I love that analogy, Tom. It's it, it, just the the act of shaking up the environment to making it a little less formal to still do all that you need on the business professional front, but also adding in those two questions. Yeah, and being able to do it still within your working yes. day. That, yeah. That's the key to it. Grant Hyde, partner at Deloitte Australia, agrees. Well, that's a really easy question for me to answer because I have a son. You do have a, you do, don't you? Yeah. And I've been stressing the importance of relationships with him. And I've seen him uh, activate a relationship plan and as a graduate and uh, perform and engage with the firm in a much better way than I've seen other graduates because of that realisation that it's not just about technical performance. Mm -hmm. It is about how you influence people and how you connect with people and how you look at it from a global perspective as well as a local perspective and look at internally as well as the market. And the impact is made uh, both with partners being able to connect them to the market and also connect uh, the firm to people who are potential candidates coming in mm -hmm. as well as opportunities shows that if a graduate can do it, anyone could do it. And the key thing for me is I'm saying that graduates need to have relationship plans, not just partners, not just directors. Yeah. They should come in and be taught the importance of having, uh, the importance of connectedness and having relationships. And I bet that makes him stand out. I, I would imagine that al although we employ incredibly smart graduates, I, I reckon he'd be one of a pretty small hand few, handful who is focusing on relationships. Yeah, that, that, that is, that is what I, I hear. And, and I've seen graduates on my accounts, and I've heard of stories on graduates on my accounts uh, fed back to me, where they know people in the organisation and they're, they're given licence to go and talk to them and mm -hmm. say, you should connect with them. Yep. And the feedback from that graduate is that's not part of my role. My role is to sit here and look at this computer and, and to process stuff and to do stuff. And that, that is really quite, to wow. go through an onboarding process and an induction process and come out and think that humans aren't important and connecting is not important is just, is, is just astounds me. Stephen Reid is a partner with Deloitte Australia. Oh, it's, um, it's super important. I think um, sort of early on in a career, you can um, make some mistakes around or plenty of mistakes around connectedness and not sort of really appreciate its full importance. But everybody in a, you know, the people that you're dealing with are, are just people. They have personal challenges and work challenges and sometimes the cat dies and sometimes there's some project that they need to do that is super important for their career for a variety of reasons. And if you're not, um, you know, if you're not connecting with them in a non-transactional way, you'll never know what those things are and therefore how you might be able to authentically help them. Thank you. And what are some of the ways that you connect with people on both in the in a professional, um, in your professional role, in both a professional and, and more personal way? So sort of bringing those two pieces together. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, there's probably... I don't think I don't think it has to be super hard. I just think you really have to suspend self-interest and bring your curiosity and you know sort of to the table and and just start talking to the other person as a person that you're interested in, which is you know invariably the case for me. So you just start having a conversation. In speaking with a number of senior leaders who have worked with you, they've described you as making a fundamental difference to their lives. We're talking about some senior people here, so that's some serious street cred. For those who haven't worked with you, take us through your approach. Okay, first is um, the thing to think about is, first, and, I, and this is something you'll learn over time, is there is no one any more capable than you and there's no more, no one any more connected than you. Mm -hmm. You just had a different level of capability and you know different, different people. Yes. That's the first thing you need to say. And the fact that you'll, you'll end up realizing that you can add value to people once you know how. Okay. 
So for me, the journey always starts with, with a sense of humility. Okay. So I built an algorithm and an assessment tool and the one thing that was critical to me when building this, when I was with the developer is, do not take someone's dignity away. Mm -hmm. Don't make them feel or build an algorithm that ends up making them feel that they're not worthy. Because you don't get anywhere in life if you're doing that, do you? 100%. Mm -hmm. So I built a very authentic algorithm and an assessment tool so it would take 15 minutes to complete okay and 15 seconds later it will respond with three pages with your answers a score and also a behavioral chart and the only question that i need to overlay is what did you learn about yourself and when you say a behavioral chart does that talk the about six key, okay the six key behavioral patterns mm -hmm around connectedness okay and through that my experience has been when people have completed that the three findings was I've never been evaluated <laughs> so that was interesting yes. to yep. me in the first question who would be the first five people I would reach out to if this was day one of the year okay and I'd never ever thought about that uh-huh it was something just happened organically. Yeah. So it raised, started to raise my consciousness. And then when I looked at the, the score, which is truly irrelevant, but organizations seem to want scores. My, my question to organizations is when did people become a score? Hmm. Which goes back to your comment earlier about organizations' emphasis on hitting figures and the bottom line. When do people become a score? That yeah. was my single biggest question. Mm. But so the score is in there, but it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. The key thing is, what did you learn about yourself? Yeah. And I think from that point, the pure objective of that is, is for you to tell me where you feel you need to improve, not for a consultant to tell you where you need to improve. Okay. So then from that, once they go through an evaluation process, then we go through more of a a reflective process by having a collaborative conversation. Mm -hmm. And a collaborative conversation is, is just sharing some of my observations. Yes. And some of the lessons that I've learned. Okay. Around the value of connectedness. Mm -hmm. So observations are what I've observed in all my years and then how other people have taught me things. So some of the lessons that I've learned from other people. Sure. So that's more the, the, the evaluation phase. And then the next phase is really around what behaviours and strategies do we need to learn and apply to connect and collaborate with people we know mm -hmm. and people we don't know okay. to remain relevant and top of mind. Okay. Now, this, this is very much bringing me back to some of the conversations I've had with senior leaders who talked fairly at, at length about the fact that it was quite late in their careers that they came to the importance of, or un truly understanding the importance of relationships. You know, they'd perhaps studied accounting at university and as a baby graduate got in and were very focused around, okay, well, I'm working on this project. I need to just knuckle down and, and focus on improving my technical skills. And if I talked, you know, they talked about probably their biggest learning from working with you being that the importance of relationships is something that needs to be thought about in a very proactive manner and, and a really solid strategy put in place in terms of how they approach that. What are your, what are your thoughts on that front? Yeah, I think they're um, maybe being a bit too hard on themselves. I think I, I firmly believe that we're all doing it every day. Okay. I don't think what I'm doing is anything different. What I, what I am doing and where I think it's different, and the only thing is, is I'm just trying to raise the consciousness, consciousness of an individual and around the curiosity now as a competency, you can be more efficient and more effective. Okay. If you have people around you 
that you can reach out to for help, but also they're thinking about you and advocating for you. So, because that's that's where it is. So I think the the leaders that you've interviewed um, uh, are being quite humble, because I think the people that you've spoken to, I know, have always been very generous, very sure. curious, and very conscious. But perhaps that that's just more a part of their makeup rather than being aware that this is a competency and being aware that by focusing on it they will be able to do a whole lot better in life yeah a lot no i think it's um look i i've had the privilege to work with some crazy good people and uh and when you strip it all back we're all doing this but possibly on off mm -hmm. on off when it's when we believe it's relevant when it's not relevant we don't do it sure so so i think the easiest segue is you can ever either have this as a strategic way you live your life mm -hmm. or you can make it a way of life yes okay so strategically a way of life may be a good start because that can raise your consciousness mm -hmm. but at some stage it has to become the way you live your life sure so i suppose i provide framework and consciousness to make it more strategic way to live your life mm -hmm. initially. Yes. To one day realizing this is the only way to live your life. Sure. And one of yeah, there, there were some interesting um, comments from people from people that initially they started as being very 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 structured, very considered, sitting down at computer with spreadsheet, and over time it's just become organic and innate and and that's the way yeah. that's the best way of doing it is this is to me you know i was always taught it was all about generosity was the most important thing is that if you don't make time for people you know why so if you don't make time for people then possibly in some occasions you're taking someone's dignity away Mm -hmm. It's a big call. I learned that from one of the one of the lessons I learned from a person that I've never met, but I've learned so much from, was one of the world's most famous cricketers. And he walked into a store in Sydney, wanting to buy a suit. And my friend who told shared the story with me walked up to this particular person and said, I'm sorry, I can't serve you. I'm with a customer. Okay. Can you wait 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, I will. Mm -hmm. And half an hour later, yes. she came back to him apologizing profusely. And he said, why are you apologizing? And my friend said, because I kept you waiting. Mm -hmm. And he responded, but you didn't take that customer's dignity away. So that totally reframed. So anyone that I gave time to, if I wasn't generous and curious, I just felt I was taking their dignity away. And there's two things that I've learned from two of my board members is, I will, I will remember you on how you made me feel. Yes. The second thing is, I don't care what you know until I know that you care. Mm -hmm. They were two defining statements with that experience yeah. of that famous cricketer <clears throat> that realized that for many years unconsciously with not being generous and curious and being selective yep. on who okay. I saw and who I helped, mm -hmm. I was actually taking people's dignity away. It's an incredibly generous uh, philosophy, John. Yeah, and I've proven it works at all levels. Um, one of my first um, people that believed in me was was one of Australia's most renowned entrepreneurs. And he was always, he always displayed this level of generosity and curiosity. And I didn't understand it initially. I didn't get it initially. But over the years, he was always someone that people thought about. Yes. And he, and he always seemed to have peace of mind. He seemed mm -hmm. to have these things that I was always searching for. Mm -hmm. And he would frame it up is this is the right thing to do. 
Yeah. This is not yeah, okay. a sales technique or this is a or something you read in a book. Mm. This is how do you want to live your life? And so I think managing expectation, which is your your personal aspirations and your commercial aspirations. Sure. There is some middle ground there. So I've I've proven over time that if I can raise someone's conscious consciousness and using curiosity as a competency now to build the connectedness, you can have relationships with anyone anytime. Because I base my relationships more so now on how often we think about each other more than how often we see each other. Mm. So I've proven at every level in business from entrepreneur to executive to grad. Yes. That everyone responds to kindness. Underpinning kindness is generosity, curiosity, and consciousness. That's what kindness represents in my life. Mm. And I will look back every year and go, what did I learn last year? And how would I apply that to this year? Okay. But underpinning that, who matters? Everyone matters. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a story. Everyone has value. I've mm. always believed that. The value may not be for me, but it could be for someone sure. I care about yes. or want to care about. So when you have that, it's a beautiful segue to live your life. Absolutely. So, so I sort of don't use this as a once a month or once a quarter. What I use this is as a way to live my life. So in my operating rhythm, mm -hmm. there's three things that I do every single day. I know there's a clue in every conversation. If I'm curious enough, I'll yes. unlock yeah. that clue. Okay. And when I understand that clue and I feel that the what's important the clue is what's important to them, I think about who do I know mm -hmm. that could help them yes. with that. Yep. Or what do I know? Well, one of my friends would frame it up is I've just met you, so how do I think about you? And if I can, how can I help you? Yeah. So I've just applied simple conscious strategies to connect and collaborate mm -hmm. with people I know and people I don't know so I can remain relevant and top of mind. So simple when you phrase it like that, John. So simple. But it's taken me many, many years to unwrap the world mm. through listening to people who had achieved significance in their 60 plus years mm -hmm. and now to rewrap the world because the world missed it. The business schools missed it, organizations missed it, and also individuals missed it, not because yeah. they don't care, not because they're not conscious, what they missed was, it was a blind spot. So I think I'm most proud of is, I, my journey has been complete because of the people around me. It's not me, it's not what I've done, it's actually, I'm still standing because the people that I've connected with at some stage in their life have collaborated with me and thought about me and advocated is why I'm still standing. Mm -hmm. And once we realize that in life, you become a lot better person and a lot better leader. Absolutely. Um, so that's how I would frame up. But I am who I am because of the people around me, not me. John, I have one more question for you and I'd like to ask 20 more. However, yeah. we don't have time. Uh, a few, when we first met, you talked to me a little bit about your millennial council yep. and perhaps case in point to out, to um, give a great, great example to all that you're talking about today. I read a great article um, in Harvard Business Review last week that emphasised the importance of listening to millennials and considering having a shadow board to ensure to ensure that organizations are informed by a broad section of their communities now this immediately made me think of the conversation we had had a few months ago around your millennial council so i suppose at at first blush that was that was an example of me thinking about you a conversation that we had had um, but I, what, the reason for raising this is i'm really interested to hear about your millennial council when you first mentioned it to me it wasn't it wasn't a concept I had heard before and I just thought was, was really clever. So what's that all about? I think, I think on the, in the journey, it became more and more apparent that the layers of people around you had to be people that could make you think differently. 
Mm-hmm. And to be different, you need to think differently first. Yes. And so what I worked out is I built an extremely world-class advisory board filled with people that have great character, had mm-hmm. different capability, and had a different level of connectedness. Okay. But they were consciousness of the importance of it. Sure. Then I felt I was missing something. There was another generation that my my esteemed current advisory board couldn't provide me. Mm-hmm. So along the journey, I'd met a series of young people who stretched me through their curiosity that made me think about what I do and how I do differently. Okay. So to me, I feel very privileged that I sit in the middle of people, my millennium board, who are under me that teach me things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And people above me teach me things that I need to know. Okay. Um, so I think if I really framed it up is I'm not going to see everything I need to see and I'm not going to learn everything I need to learn. Yeah. So this all fits in really nicely is all I have is one request to my, my esteemed board and my millennial council is if you see something or hear something you think I would value, yeah. that's all I would like to know. Okay. So to me, it's about knowledge sharing, mm-hmm. but we're all based on character, which is value value alignment. Yeah. We believe in a, it's more than us. Sure. Capability, we've just got different skill sets. Mm but are critical to learn. And the third thing is we've all realized that we can't be who we want to be, do what we want to do, unless we have this third piece, which I will re, re, which I've been going around the world telling people is tell me one person that's achieved significance without connectedness. Well, what a good way to round out this discussion, John. I'd love to have another hour or two to uh, to further unpick it. Perhaps we'll have to do a, a follow-up podcast. Yeah, and I would love I would love actually just to leave you with one story. Please. Um, one uh, a person came into my life recently who had achieved success from middle age to esteemed age and ran a very large company. Mm -hmm. Then volunteered for the United Nations and built a, raised money and built a program that saved a million lives. (laughs) And I introduced him to Tom and Beasy, the chairman of Deloitte, because Tom is someone that I admire in close and afar of not his title or his role, but what he stands for as a person. Okay. And for me, generosity. So when I put these two people together, what I learned from both of them was they both had incredible journeys, and one not better than the other, just a different journey. Mm-hmm. But the one thing Tom highlighted and I framed up was when this particular individual was invited to receive a global award and refused to accept it. Why? And the question came back is, because it's important to execute and celebrate in silence. (laughs) Hmm. So, by bringing two people together mm-hmm. that I care about mm-hmm. and I've learned from, I walked away with a lesson because I remain conscious in yes. that moment that now has totally reframed mm. my year. Hmm. To execute and celebrate in silence. And I've been very been privileged that this particular individual has now joined my advisory board. 
Okay. Which goes back to my initial saying is, mm. you are who you are because of the people around you. Well, John, I think that's a great story, a fabulous way to round out a conversation uh, or continue a conversation that you and I had and uh, found it to be really interesting as ever, really inspiring, thought-provoking, and uh, I'm entirely confident that listeners will as well. So I'm really grateful for your time and generosity. Thank you so much, Katie. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Thanks so much, John. Bye-bye. And thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast with me, Katie Bennett-Stenton. If you enjoyed this episode, please review me on iTunes to help others find this great content. I have some excellent thought leaders coming up in the series. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I love feedback from listeners. You can find me at Katie B Marketing on Twitter or Katie Bennett-Stenton on LinkedIn.